Well, good morning, Athens First United Methodist Church. And happy Easter to you. It is so good to be in worship with you on this beautiful, exultant Easter Sunday, 2023. I have been looking forward to this day since the day I first arrived last July in 2022, and I have to tell you that it has exceeded every expectation from the beautiful weather to the incredible flowers to how about that music this morning, huh? We are so grateful for our incredible handbell choir, choir and our musicians for leading us in worship. We're grateful that you're here. Uh, whether you are in the sanctuary with us this morning or you are in overflow in Hancock Hall, if you're live streaming from home or you're here in the room live streaming the masters, it doesn't matter who you are. We're just glad you're here so that together we can celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, I want to read to you uh, Luke's version of the resurrection story. We're going to be looking at chapter 24, starting with verse, 20, with verse 1. Hear now how Luke tells us the story of Jesus' resurrection. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, the women came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared, and they found that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified, and they bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all of this to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women who told this to the apostles. But these words... It seemed like an idle tale to them, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up, and he ran to the tomb, and stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. This is the word of God for the people of God. So one thing that I have found to be universally true about us as humans is the fact that we all like to be recipients of good news. It doesn't matter who you are or what you're like, doesn't matter how negative you tend to be or how curmudgeonly, I have never met anyone who has ever said to me, you know, Jeremy, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but I just, I tend to prefer bad news over good news. I've always felt like Oscar the Grouch is my spirit animal. That's just the way I am. No, but nobody's ever said that before. And that's because all of us like good news. For instance, I have a friend who's the pastor of a church down in Atlanta. And every year on Palm Sunday, they have this big uh, parade. There's someone from the church who will play the role of Jesus and he'll get on the back of a donkey and he'll ride down the street next to the church. 
And of course, all of the congregants line the, the street and they wave their palm branches and they shout Hosanna. And my friend said it's always one of his favorite Sundays of the year because it's a day that's just full of celebration. Well, one year, uh, they had to move the parade inside because it happened to rain on that particular Palm Sunday. And so early that morning, he said, I was getting ready for church. I was actually with my wife in the kitchen going over the details of the day. And I, and I told her, I said, so uh, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to get to the church early so that I can make sure that Jesus has everything he needs. And then we'll make sure that the donkey is ready to be ridden on. And I, I just want to make sure everything's in place. He said, well, all of a sudden, from out of the shadows of our kitchen emerged our five-year-old daughter, who apparently had been eavesdropping on the conversation, and she totally just butts in, she totally interrupts, and she said, so let me get this straight. This morning at church, not only is Jesus going to be there, but he's going to be giving away free pony rides. <laughs> this is the best news ever. I think we all like to be the recipients of good news. And what's interesting about good news these days is the fact that we can both share and receive it in so many different ways because, of course, you know, we can text it to one another or we can email it. We can post it on social media or we can FaceTime with someone halfway across the world. We can even use what every person in the room who's under the age of 30 thinks is the oldest of old technology. We can even use the telephone to share the good news. And the reason why is because we all appreciate those conversations that begin with those six magical words, guess what? I've got good news. We all love to be on the receiving end of good news. But what I've also found about good news is the fact that even the best news, if you hear it often enough, can sometimes lose its luster. Of course, by that, I don't mean that it loses any of its inherent goodness. I don't mean that it's any less true. It's just that when you hear something over and over and over again, it starts to become kind of familiar, and we kind of get used to it. I know when I was serving a church in Suwannee, Georgia, I was at Level Creek United Methodist Church, and my kids were probably around five or seven at the time. And one year, we decided to hold a children's Christmas pageant. Well, of course, my kids wanted to be in the children's Christmas pageant. And so as a part of it, they had to learn the song, Joy to the World. And so they would come home every Sunday afternoon after the rehearsal, and they would be singing that song at the top of their lungs, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. And of course, as someone who loves Christmas music, I just thought this was the best thing in the world. You know, that this song was echoing throughout the halls of our house, but also that our kids were singing these beautiful lyrics because if you think about what Joy to the World is all about, I mean, it's some of the best good news that there ever was. It, it, it's, it's good news about Jesus being born about the Savior of the world arriving. And so the fact that my kids were seeing this throughout the month of December was so beautiful. But by early February, <laughs> it got a little tiresome, 
In fact, I remember one afternoon, they're all in the living room and they're all singing this song once again at the top of their lungs. And if I can be honest with you, I will admit that I kind of snapped. I kind of lost it on them. I said, all right, enough. I get it. We get it. Baby Jesus has been born. And that's a wonderful thing. But he's like over a month old now, okay? So can we just let him sleep in heavenly peace? Now, does the fact that I got irritated by that good news mean that it lost any of its inherent goodness or that it was any less true? Of course not. It's just that sometimes when you hear something over and over and over again, it tends to lose its luster. Well, as strange as it may sound, I have discovered that that's even the case sometimes on the holiest of days and with the greatest of good news, sometimes that can even be true when it comes to the good news of Easter. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. That, no, no, that's not possible. I mean, how could anybody ever tire of hearing the good news of the resurrection? But I think it's true. Because the fact of the matter is, most of us have heard this story before. And most of us come to church every year on Easter Sunday. And before I ever step in the pulpit, you essentially know what I'm going to say. I mean, you may not know exactly how I'll say it or what words I'm going to use to, to communicate the message. But you know that when I stand in this pulpit, I'm going to be preaching the resurrection of Jesus. And no matter how amazing or miraculous or mind-boggling that is, sometimes when you hear it enough, it tends to lose its luster. Sometimes the good news of Easter can become the familiar news of Easter, and it's a story that we somehow just kind of get used to. But every now and then, we are put in a position to hear the gospel in such a way that it's almost as if we are hearing it for the very first time. There are times when we can hear it in a way that blows the dust off of our shop-worn theology and it reminds us of just how good the good news really is. For me, the person that helped me do that was a preacher by the name of Tony Campolo. And I remember the first time I heard Tony preach, uh, he told a story that to this day, I still get chills whenever I think about it. Because he said years ago, I was invited to be uh, one of the preachers at an African-American church in South Philadelphia on Good Friday. And as is the custom in some African-American churches, uh, we had seven different preachers who preached back to back to back to back to back to back at this service. He said, now, as a white guy, he said, I got to tell you, I've always loved preaching at African-American churches because in some of these congregations, the people in the pews will tell you how you're doing in real time. Like, if you're doing a really good job, they will say things like, well or amen, or preach it. And I've always appreciated that. But they will also let you know if you're not doing a good job. In fact, he said one year, I remember preaching at this African-American church, and there was a woman sitting in the front pew, and apparently I wasn't doing a good job. 
Because in the middle of my sermon, he said this woman just starts praying out loud. Help him, Jesus, help him. <laughs> now on this particular Good Friday, he said, I wasn't just preaching a good sermon. He said, I was really good. In fact, I, I wanted to take notes on myself. That's how good I was. And so after I was done, he said, I remember sitting down next to the, to the senior minister at the church, and I kind of playfully slapped his leg, and I said, top that old man. And I remember he looked at me as serious as can be, and he said, Tony, why don't you just sit back and take a listen? I'm about to take you to school. And that's exactly what he did. For the next 45 minutes, he said he took all of us to school with one simple phrase. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Now, I know, I know that probably doesn't sound like the most dynamic phrase ever, but he said you had to hear the way he did it because he kind of, he started very slow and, and somber. He said it's, it's Friday. It's Friday, and, and the dark clouds have gathered overhead, and Jesus is standing in front of an angry crowd, and they're shouting, crucify him, crucify him. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And someone in the congregation said, well, and so he kept going. He said, it's Friday, it's Friday, and, and, and they have beaten and whipped my Jesus. They, they've placed a crown of thorns on Jesus' head, and Jesus, oh Jesus, he's suffering. Because it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And someone in the back of the church cried out, preach it now. So he kept going. And the volume and the momentum of the sermon started to pick up. He said, it's Friday. And Jesus has been nailed to the cross. The people are hurling insults at Jesus. They're saying, save yourself. If you really are the Son of God, save yourself. They are mocking my Jesus. But that's because it's only Friday. But Sunday's coming. Tony said the congregation started really getting into the story to the point where they started finishing his phrase for him. And so the preacher said, it's Friday, and Jesus is hanging on the cross, and the powers of darkness and evil are laughing because they think they've got the last laugh. They think that they have finally won, but what they don't understand is that it's only Friday, but... Okay, that's not bad, okay? But come on, y'all. This is Easter Sunday, all right? And I expect a little more from you on Easter Sunday. So can we try this again? Yeah, would that be a yes? Can we? Okay. This is the difference between a Methodist church and other churches. When we agree with things, we just smile as loudly as we can. Okay. So we're going to try it one more time. Help him, Jesus, help him. <laughs> it's Friday. Not yet, not yet. Let me finish, and then it's your turn, okay? Well, let me go, then you go. Don't jump the gun just yet, all right? Now it's Friday, and Jesus is breathing his last breaths. 
And he cries out at the top of his lungs, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus then gives up his spirit, and that's because it's only Friday, but... Yes, my brothers and sisters! That's how it's done, and that is the good news of Easter. And I remember after Tony Campolo got done with that story, the whole place was just on fire because it was as if we were hearing the good news of the gospel for the very first time. For me, it was a reminder that the good news of resurrection is astoundingly good. Because do you know what happened on that first Easter Sunday? Jesus was dead. I mean, can, can you even wrap your mind around the reality of that statement? Jesus was dead. Just ask the women. He was dead. They did not show up on Easter Sunday thinking that somehow he was going to be somehow alive. No, Jesus was dead. But when they walked into the tomb and they saw that it was empty, they were then greeted by two angels who proceeded to share with them the seven most groundbreaking, earth-shattering, eternity-altering words that have ever been spoken. They said, he is not here. He is risen. Now, brothers and sisters, I hope you realize that that is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because do you know what that means? That means that death has been utterly defeated. That means that the grave has been conquered once and for all. It means that there isn't anything in all the world that can ever hold us in the grip of fear again. Because as the author Frederick Buechner once said, the resurrection of Jesus means that the worst thing will never be the last thing. That is the good news of Easter. And I hope you realize how good it really is. Because you see, according to the Gospels, our job as disciples of Jesus, our job as Easter people, isn't just to come on Easter Sunday and to gather together to listen to the good news, or to read the good news, or to remember the good news, or to celebrate the good news. No, our job as Easter people is to proclaim the good news. We are witnesses to the resurrection, which means that from the moment you step out of this place, your job is to share the good news of Easter Sunday with someone. And I hope you do. Because we live in a world that is still filled with fear and darkness. I mean, I mean just think about what happened a couple of weeks ago in Nashville. Think what's been happening over the last year in the Ukraine. Think about what happens every time we turn on our television set and we watch the news and there's something else that just breaks our collective hearts. We live in a world where it is always Good Friday and never Easter Sunday. In other words, we live in a world that is desperately in need of resurrection. And that's where you come in. Because you are witnesses to the resurrection, which means that it is your job to go forth from this place and to share the good news with somebody. 
And Lord knows that there are so many different ways that you can do it. I mean, you can text it or email it. You can post it on TikTok or Instagram. You can even use the oldest of old-fashioned of methods and call them up on the telephone. It really doesn't matter how you do it. It simply matters that you actually do it because you are witnesses to the resurrection. And this is a world desperately in need of it. So as we leave this place, I hope you know that your job as Easter people is to let our world know that it's not Friday. It's Sunday. And the resurrected Jesus is on the loose. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.